Welcome to Breaking Through. I'm Madeline Bell, President and CEO of Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. Today's episode is part of my special podcast series, Where We Are Now. This series highlights the CHOP doctors and researchers who are working day and night to help bring an end to the COVID-19 pandemic. They are working on the front lines and behind the scenes to better understand COVID-19 and to make the breakthroughs the world needs right now. They are developing innovative diagnostic tests and pursuing new treatments, and they are providing support and resources for communities and families, offering hope and help in this incredibly challenging time. Today, I'm speaking with Dr. Rebecca Harris. Dr. Harris is director of CHOP's Infectious Disease Diagnostic Laboratory. She's going to tell us about the innovative COVID-19 test that she and her team developed and how it's making a difference for our patients and our community. Dr. Harris, since we're recording this interview remotely, let's begin by describing where we are now. I'm at the Roberts Center on the 20th floor in my office. How about you? I'm in my office in the pathology department in the CHOP main building down the hall from my laboratory. Dr. Harris, in the early days of the pandemic, you and your team created a unique test for COVID-19. Could you share the story of how the test was developed? Absolutely. Back in January, we were closely following the story of what was at that point called the novel Wuhan coronavirus. There was concern early on that the virus could cause severe disease and had potential for significant spread. When the first cases were reported in the United States, we felt that there was a large enough risk that the virus would impact our patients and our community that we needed to have a test for it on site in our laboratory. At that point, I think about three groups globally had developed tests for the virus that they had published and shared. So we started by looking at those tests and decided to work off of the tests that had been developed by the CDC because we liked the way it performed in the lab the best. The CDC assay had three viral targets as well as an internal control for human material that helps you know if you have a good sample and can trust the result. But that was four separate tests to perform in the lab for each patient sample. We decided to use one target from the CDC test, the N2 target, and put it in one reaction multiplexed with an internal control. That made our test easier to perform in the CDC assay, and it significantly cut down on the amount of time it took to set up each test, as well as the volume of materials we needed. When we started, the only test available in the United States for the virus authorized by the FDA was the CDC test, and only at the CDC itself initially. Access to the testing was very, very limited in those early days. Developing our own tests that we submitted for authorization allowed us to have access to testing much sooner than we would have had otherwise. We were able to begin testing in early March. Well, what a source of pride for us at Children's Hospital that you developed that test and had a line of sight into that early in the calendar year. So how is the test that you developed different from other COVID-19 tests? You talked a little bit about it, but maybe you could help the lay audience understand that. Sure. And the landscape is very different now compared to when we began test development. Many hospital labs are performing testing using only commercially manufactured tests. Our test is lab developed. It requires two different pieces of equipment. It's very manual. There's a lot of pipetting. It requires hands-on time and, and the advanced skill of a medical technologist. But it gives us a lot of control. We can make changes to our tests as we need to. And we've had very few problems running out of test supplies compared to if we had used a commercial test because we're not dependent on any single manufacturer's supply to the extent that you are if you use a commercial test. 
Commercial tests, which are widely available, are generally easier to perform, but it's difficult to meet testing needs with any one test or platform. Demand is so high that test supplies can run out completely. Most hospitals that do high volume testing need multiple commercial assays from different manufacturers to ensure that they have sufficient materials to perform at least one test at all times. The FDA has now authorized over 150 different molecular tests for SARS-CoV-2, both commercial and lab developed like ours. While our test remains a little different from others because it was developed and adapted to our specific needs, we have run comparisons to other tests now available, which have confirmed that our test performs very well. And over the course of time since early March, we've, you have really had to ramp up testing. Can you tell me how you've gone about the process of ramping up the testing to meet the volume? Yes. We've had market success in providing early access to testing and maintaining that testing with a short turnaround time throughout this pandemic. We've been providing results within 24 hours of submission since we began. Now we have a priority workflow so we can identify samples that need to be processed more quickly for patient care and we can provide results on those patients in seven hours or less. This has allowed us to continue to increase the number of tests we can perform in a day by allowing batch testing of those samples that can have a 24-hour turnaround time. We also have one commercial platform to provide even more rapid testing within one hour when testing is urgently needed. We are only allocated a small number of those tests by the manufacturer, so there is clinical stewardship of that test to make sure we use it where is most needed. As of late July, we've performed 25,000 tests. Our volume is steadily increasing, and we've received up to 450 tests in a single day. Many people may not be aware of the important role that scientists like yourself play in the fight against COVID-19. Can you explain to the listeners a little bit about your background and the type of work that you and people in your lab do? Yes. So I'm a physician. I'm a clinical pathologist. Some people who are in my role are PhD microbiologists. And lab medicine is my entire world, but it's a little behind the scenes. In this process, it's really been inspiring to watch how the laboratory and the department have pulled together to get this test up and running. I've really been amazed at how willing people were to step up, to meet unmet needs. Our medical technologists who perform our testing operate mostly behind the scenes in the lab. And I think many people, even in the medical field, don't realize how much patient care depends on them providing timely and accurate test results. Speaking of your team, can you tell me about a moment where you may have been particularly proud of them? Yes. Now, we use automation in areas where we can, but there's a large amount of manual work and critical thought and troubleshooting that goes into this testing and to generally keeping a lab running. Our staff have been very stressed by increased volumes of work and by constant alterations to our routines. But everyone in the lab has pitched in and we've been able to keep moving forward. I would say that the weeks leading up to our test launch are a complete blur to me now, but our staff supported one another and the other labs in our department provided us in turn to provide relief and somehow together, we got COVID testing up and running in a little over a month. I don't think I've ever been prouder of a team than I am with the Infectious Disease Diagnostics Lab staff for pulling that off. 
And a source of pride for all of us, for sure. Dr. Harris, can you tell us a little bit about what you're working on now? Our focus right now is increasing our test capacity and reducing our turnaround time. We are hitting up against the limit of the number of tests that we can do in a day. We want to provide more testing to support the ongoing increase in clinical services, as well as provide more access to testing in our community. We found we also have a need for more rapid testing because we cannot obtain a large enough number of rapid tests from a commercial manufacturer. So to meet these needs, we're redesigning our test, significantly shortening the time that it takes to perform the initial extraction step where we obtain nucleic acid from the sample and making the workflow more streamlined. We aim to launch the redesigned test this fall. Well, that's a bright spot. And I think we're all looking for some bright spots during this difficult and uncertain time. What gives you hope right now? These have definitely been difficult times, but I'm hopeful about the impact the things we've learned while living through this pandemic will have on how we provide patient care. There have been lessons for everyone, like the benefit of allowing employees to work from home. And I think there's similar lessons everywhere that are specific to healthcare. When we needed to manage an enormous health threat with limitations on our resources that we'd never experienced before, we had to cut through legacy practices that didn't make financial, operational, or clinical sense. And there was a lot of this. Viral transport media is a small example in my field. This is the media that you place swabs into after collecting a sample on a patient. Supplies of it ran out quickly in the spring, so we were forced to consider alternative options. We ran some stability experiments, and it turns out that saline was just as good as viral transport media for preserving the virus for our test. Viral transport media has all kinds of stuff in it, fetal bovine serum, antibiotics, and the one we had been using required refrigeration. So why were we using it if saline worked just as well? Well, the viral transport media was necessary to keep viruses active back in the day when we performed viral culture. But now that we were doing everything by molecular testing, we didn't care if the virus was inactivated during transport. It didn't affect our tests. But we kept on using viral transport media because that was what we did for probably a couple of decades longer than we needed to. This is just one little example, but I think there are many things like this where we'll look to the present day to see what we found to be actually necessary and effective for patient care, and we'll be able to deliver better health care because of it. I really like that creative solution. I'm sure it was a cost-effective and creative solution to the problem. So that's something certainly to commend your team on. I always like to close by asking my guests about their personal breakthroughs. So Dr. Harris, could you please tell me about your biggest breakthrough moment? Yes. My biggest breakthrough was choosing to begin development on our test when we did. Really, this was my main contribution to the success of our assay because 99% of the credit goes to our technologist. So go back to the beginning of this year. It was a very frustrating time. It was painful watching the spread of the virus while testing was tightly regulated and initially only allowed at the CDC within the United States. But it became clearer by the day that we had to perform testing. We were going to need it not only for our patients, but to protect our workforce. At the time, it wasn't feasible to get FDA authorization, and the FDA had mandated that that was required for the test. But we knew we needed it. So I made the decision for us to put the time and financial resources into test development, gambling that something would change and it would be possible for us to provide clinical testing by the time we finished development. 
I spent time researching if there was some regulatory loophole. Could we perform the testing if we documented it in a new way or perhaps if we provided it for free? Fortunately, enough people were in the same boat that the FDA chose to drastically loosen its restrictions. By the time we received our FDA emergency use authorization, there was formal guidance and a streamlined approach for obtaining the authorization available to the people who were starting test development at that point. We began development before all of that was even in place, so CHOP had very early access to testing. It had been a gamble, but it paid off well. Definitely a breakthrough. That's all the time we have for today. Dr. Rebecca Harris, thank you so much for joining me. To learn more about how you can be part of tomorrow's breakthroughs at Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, please visit chop.edu giving. At CHOP, we make breakthroughs every day. I'm Madeline Bell. Thank you for listening.